mai, haere mai. Welcome to the Maxim Institute podcast. My name is Jason Heal. I'm the communications manager at Maxim Institute, and this is our weekly short-form podcast. These podcasts are released in tandem with our weekly column and are a chance for you to hear in-depth from the column's author about some of the thinking that went into producing their final piece. Today, we talk to Maxim senior researcher Marcus Roberts about his recent column. Marcus, welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you. Thanks, Chase. Good to be here. Hey, so your column this week is called In a More Dangerous World, Foreign Policy Becomes a Bread and Butter Issue. And uh, you've written this week that uh, one of the issues, uh, well, there's lots of issues that the the um, politicians will be campaigning on in this um, election cycle, uh, health system, education, crime, those sorts of things. But you've, you've mentioned that um, what won't be high on the party's agendas during the election is foreign policy and defence. Um, but you maintain that that's a big deal and that it should be on their radar. Can you um, just give us an idea of what kind of brought about this perspective for you? Sure. So I, th- I think one of the, the points I was making in the piece was generally this is foreign policy is not a big election issue, largely because the politicians of both sides of the aisle and I think the electorate more broadly, are in agreement or in broad agreement about where New Zealand's foreign policy interests lie, uh, particularly since the 1980s, I think this has been the case. So we support things like the quote-unquote rules-based uh, international order. We're very um, supportive of multinational organisations like the UN and the WTO. Um, and I think we've, we've more broadly had the subconscious view that what we've experienced since World War II, which is generally peace. Um, we've been involved with wars, but they've been um, discretionary wars, if you want to put it like that. We certainly haven't had conscription like we did in World War II. Um, we, we haven't faced direct attack um, in the last 90, well, probably even longer. Um, we have generally had increased prosperity, and that's lulled us into this feeling that uh, that is the norm. Uh, and yeah. that really, we don't really have to do anything to uh, keep that because that's just how the world works. And I think so that we the kind last, of have this, um, um, we kind of have this view that the world is actually a good and safe place, and that we are okay within it. And this is the normal way that the world should work, and the way that it's going to work for the foreseeable future, because we've all kind of evolved past this this kind of nationalistic. Um, toing and froing, and we've got this now, the, the whole world thinks uh, in terms of the globe rather than nations, but that's that's not the way it is. Yeah, I think that's right. I think also, if we if we think about it, we're like, well, bad things and wars and stuff happen maybe somewhere else in the world, but they don't affect us because we're down here, we're small, everyone likes us uh, because we support the UN and, and because, you know, everyone loves the All Blacks. Um, so, Anything like wars won't really impact upon New Zealand. Um, But I think that that is an assumption that won't necessarily always hold true. And I think more and more in the last few years, um, it's I think that the dangerousness of the world is uh, becoming more obvious. And I think also those dangers are coming closer uh, to home. And so that's really what prompted the piece um, 
was thinking, well, if the world is changing, or at least as if it's the what, how the world has always been a bit more dangerous than we've thought, um, it's becoming more clear that that's the case. Um, how should we react or should we should at least recognize this and then think about how to react to it? So what are some of the um, things, stories, maybe um, mm -hmm. events that you've seen that highlighted this, that, that this is coming closer to home for us? Sure. So I think part of it is um, the move away from a highly integrated global economy of, of largely free trade um, where you outsource your uh, can, uh, manufacturing to the cheapest labor market, generally China and Vietnam, places like that, and in return you reap the benefits of reduced prices. And for a long time that was considered, well, that's how we're going. We'll inexorably keep on becoming more and more dependent on each other. Everyone will get richer and the world will be a more peaceful place as a consequence. Um, even prior to COVID, this was breaking down, particularly the links between China and America. Uh, as um, the um, all sorts of reasons, um, China's growing assertiveness, the human rights abuses there, the crackdown on Hong Kong, um, America realizing that actually it was um, uh, quite uh, vulnerable in a lot of these manufacturing areas because China effectively uh, did the manufacturing in these sensitive areas, pharmaceuticals, for example, um, for them. So there was a, a starting of a decoupling, which for a trading nation like New Zealand is uh, a little bit uh, concerning. So the, the idea of supply chains and the sort of just-in-time delivery of goods, um, I think, had been breaking down. And then, of course, COVID happened, and, it, and it very much um, we saw that, um, that breakdown. And I think also we saw people waking up more and more to the fact that having other countries, being reliant upon other countries to produce goods that you actually need as a national security matter um, is a dangerous place to be in. So we had that economic breakdown. And then, of course, we've seen um, in the last uh, year or so many stories where we've seen great power competition um, and, and indeed warfare come back into our consciousness. So obviously Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, that has, you know this is a large-scale um, war in modern times in Europe, uh, which we kind of thought, had um, we'd, we'd moved away from. We've seen more recently um, the Chinese uh, spy aircraft um, over the US and the US and Canadian responses to that. Um, we've seen the, the, the Chinese building of, of, um, of artificial islands in the South China Sea in contradiction to uh, UN and, and international um, law. Uh, we've seen examples like the uh, attacks on Iranian weapons and drones manufacturing facilities um, over the last couple of weeks. It didn't get a lot of attention here, uh, and there's been speculation about who did it. Um, but the, the point is that hard power, that is military power, um, weapons, um, uh, that's, those sorts of um, ways of, of um, interacting <laughs> in, in foreign relations is back. Or at least it never went away. It's if, if we if it never went away, we at least realise that it's back, uh, and I think we just need to to recognise that. Um, and in fact, as I mentioned in the piece, the Defence Force, the Ministry of Defence, at least recognises this. Its latest assessment says that um, New Zealand faces a substantially more challenging and complex strategic environment than it has for for decades because great power competition is increasing. Um, so that's what I think our politicians and us need to be aware of. So having summarized all of that for us what's um 
one thing that you like to see from our politicians in this election cycle um, as that would indicate that they are at least thinking about focusing more on this this issue that is becoming more and more important as mm. different tensions between great powers and different nations around the world increase I think I'd like to see um, a recognition of it from our politicians that this is a serious potential issue um, and, and, and a, a discussion as to how we are going to ensure that we will continue to be able to be an international trading nation um, in this era, era of great power competition and potentially conflict. I'd like to see uh, a serious, um, more serious approach to defence. Um, we spend far too little. Um, our defence procurement is not great. We need to have a greater focus on naval and, and, and aircraft. Um, and also, I think a, a change in the last couple of weeks, which has been good, has been having a dedicated foreign affairs uh, minister. Uh, Nanaima Huta used to be in charge also of local government. She was pushing through the Three Waters reforms. That took up a lot of her time when she should be focusing solely on our international um, diplomatic relations. And, I, and I'm glad that that's, that's um, the case now. She's in India at the moment. Let's hope that she can um, improve our relations with that very important nation. Marcus, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hi. Thanks so much, Jason. Great to be here. Now let's hear from Marcus as he reads his column. If the government has its way, then this year's election campaign will be focused upon bread and butter issues. National and ACT will be planning stump speeches on crime, education and the health system. But what won't be high on any party's agenda will be foreign policy and defence. This is not surprising. Since the 1980s, there's largely been political consensus on these issues. We have agreed that we should be strong supporters of the rules-based international order, as well as multinational organisations like the UN and the WTO. More broadly, we subconsciously think that the general post-1945 trend of peace and increasing prosperity is the norm and not an historically and geographically contingent exception. This comfortable illusion has spared us the bother of being overly concerned about foreign policy and defence. But the wider world suggests that our illusion may be about to be mugged by reality. As our 2021 defence assessment pointed out, great power competition and conflict is increasing. To quote, New Zealand faces a substantially more challenging and complex strategic environment than it has for decades. The saga of China's spy balloon, the mysterious attacks on Iran's weapons facilities, and the ongoing war in the Ukraine all demonstrate how unstable and violent the world is. But are these not stories about quarrels in a faraway country between people of whom we know nothing? Why does this matter for New Zealand? Well, these quarrels matter because international trade generates over half of our GDP, and that trade relies upon the sea line lanes being free from piracy, war, and blockade, so that our goods can go anywhere unmolested and without crippling insurance premiums. Safe sea line lanes depend upon the ability and the will of the USA, and more locally Australia, to protect them. Anything which degrades that capability or distracts that will is detrimental to New Zealand's interests. So, quarrels in faraway countries affect us when they affect our sea lanes. The USA's weapon stocks have already become dangerously depleted thanks to the unexpectedly high intensity of the Ukrainian war. 
Moreover, even the most optimistic war game scenarios of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan predict large-scale death and destruction for the combatants. Do you want another argument? Well, sea lanes are vital for the continued operation of our farming sector, our ability to feed the world and ourselves. We imported 2.7 million tonnes of fertiliser in 2021, and the loss of only a small share of that imported fertiliser, around 15%, following the start of the Ukrainian war, was, quote, keenly felt. This is not merely an economic concern. Food security is necessary for our national survival. As Lenin once said, every society is three meals away from chaos. For a long time, New Zealand has enjoyed the luxury of distance to resolve geopolitical dilemmas. Thousands of miles of ocean still largely protect us from the threat of direct invasion. The world is getting smaller and meaner. There's no fertilizer, there's no bread, much less butter. Our politicians need to start recognizing this. So do we. Thanks for listening to the Maxim Institute podcast. If you'd like to hear more from us and keep up with the rest of our research and analysis of politics and policy in New Zealand, you can sign up on the homepage of our website to get our monthly forum email and invitations to future Maxim Institute events. You can search and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the team at Maxim, Mā te wā. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.